1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. If you have not used it or at least uh, tried it out, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you are really old. Simple. It's absolutely free of charge. It's anonymous if you want it to be. And if you're an employer, there's an employer mode on that uh, app as well. Independent contractors. Uh, we're going to talk about this. Who is really an independent contractor? Who isn't? Kind of break it down for us. This is a, a huge topic, and this is a topic we, we've always touched on, and it comes up, uh, comes up when we talk about severance, and comes up when we talk when we answer emails from our uh, our listeners. But yeah. I wanted to focus on this uh, because people get misclassified all the time. People get misclassified. We have people listening right now. I guarantee you, John, that believe that they're independent contractors, think that they, for for ten years or more they've been working as independent contractors, but they're not. The law considers them to be employees, uh, and and they have rights. They may not have realized they're going to have rights if and when the company lets them go because they're employees. There's tax liabilities right. that a company and the individual has. This is a big topic. It's an important topic. So we're going to want to spend a few minutes, a couple segments perhaps, talking about this difference between independent contractors and employees so that people actually understand what the difference is and who is an employee and who is a contractor. Does it really matter? Well, it matters big time because if you're an independent contractor, you don't really have too many rights. The law stays out of the relationship with the company. Employment laws don't apply to you if you're an independent contractor. Employment Standards Act doesn't apply. Uh, common law doesn't apply. So, which means the company can essentially pay you whatever you agree to, whatever it wants. If you lose your job, you don't get anything. Right. You don't get vacation pay. You don't get overtime. Whereas, wait a second, if you really are an employee, then you have all the rights of an employee. Minimum wage, overtime, uh, statutory holiday pay, severance, termination pay, all those rights. So it's a huge, huge difference if you're an employee or if you're an independent contractor. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. So break it down. What is an independent contractor? So an independent contractor is someone that is in business for himself or herself, someone that runs a business and hires themselves out to another company to provide services. So if I I have an accounting firm and I have several clients and you, you hire me to do your accounting work for you, well, then I'm in business for myself. I'm in the accounting business. I don't just work for you. And because of that, I'm an independent contractor. I'm running my business. On the other hand, if I was really working for you exclusively and, and I, you, I come to you nine to five to do that job, then I am really an employee. So an independent contractor is someone that's in business for themselves. They have more than one client. Uh, they uh, don't work full-time and regular hours for one company. Right. They're responsible for their own expenses. No one pays their expenses. They're not part of the company's benefits plan. Uh, they don't get paid overtime. So there's a number of factors. The key here is this. If you're, not ex- if you're not exclusive, if you're running a business, if you have various customers and you have flexibility, you come and go as you need to, you set your own hours of work, you are an independent contractor. Otherwise, you're not. So if you don't meet that criteria, is there a way you can still be an independent contractor? Well, the thing is, there's a number of criteria. There's a lot. There's probably five or six of them, perhaps a bit more. And you don't need to meet all of them to be an independent contractor or to an employee or, or be an employee. So for example, in some situations, I may work for you uh, full time for a period of time, but uh, because uh, that's a limited engagement and because I work from home and because I set my own hours, I may still be an independent contractor. So ultimately, it's the, the real question you have to ask yourself, again, it's substance over form, is who do I work for? Do I work for myself? If so, I'm an independent contractor. Or do I work for someone else? If I work for someone else, I'm an employee. If I work for myself and only myself, I'm an independent contractor. If I'm, uh, if I sit down with the boss 
and we both agree, you know what, let's just keep this an independent contractor relationship. Does the law intervene? Should they? Do they care? And the law does intervene and the law absolutely cares. You, you cannot really contract out of our employment laws. So if you are an employee calling yourself an independent contractor or agreeing with the company that you're an independent contractor does not matter. It does not matter at all. You can't contract out of it. The law decides whether you're an employee or a contractor. You can sign a piece of paper that says in five different ways, I am not an employee. I'm an independent contractor. I am even more of an independent contractor. I'm the most independent contractor person in the world. It still doesn't make you an independent contractor, okay? The law takes care of that. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, you are an employee regardless of what this contract says. And I get employers very confused by that. It's like, Leo, you, you can't read. Look at this piece of paper that this person signed. It says independent contractor. How can you tell me otherwise? It doesn't matter. The law decides. What if the employee and the employer are sneaky say, you know what, here's what we'll do. This will uh, make it uh, firm. You're going to pay your own taxes. How about <laughs> and, that one? And if it was that simple, then right. everyone could do it, right? I'll simply, I'll hire all my employees at my law firm and just say, you pay your own taxes and that makes you independent contractors. Not even close. Whether you pay your taxes or not, or someone else pays them is not a factor here. It really is not a factor. Substance over form. Who do you work for? Do you work for yourself? Do you work for someone else? What kind of hours are you keeping? Are they consistent? Are you working just for one company? Are you getting supervised by someone? If not, more likely to be an independent contractor. Who pays your taxes, John, does not matter. Also, by the way, it doesn't matter if you've incorporated and mm -hmm. if you have your own company. So instead of Lior, I am Lior Inc., it doesn't change the fact that uh, whether I'm an employee or contractor, anyone can incorporate. You pay a fee, you fill out some paperwork you've incorporated, it doesn't change it. If you're confused, maybe you're going, I don't know if I am or am, I'm not right now. We'll, uh, we'll answer that question as we continue. We'll take a short break. First of all, want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com as well. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. Employment Hour, 1-855-821-5900. Anytime you want to reach out, help at employmenthour.com as well. We'll get to that. And of course, the severance pay calculator. That is an amazing tool we will talk about uh, here in just a bit. Lots coming up in the show today. Uh, independent contractors, we'll talk about that. Who is, who isn't? What does it mean to be one? But first, week that was, pal, how are you? Well, John, it's uh, it's been really, really crazy, busy, uh, productive week. A lot of people that I've spoken to, a lot of people with questions. Uh, you know, people hear the show. People uh, are interested and it reminds them of something. It makes them realize that there's rights, there's uh, entitlements that they have. So they ask questions. That's great. You know, if, if you don't talk to us on the show, call me at the office, email me at the office. We could get together. We could speak on the phone, whatever it is, to make sure that your questions are answered. Uh, there's no bad questions. Never, ever. So don't ever hesitate. Uh, I promise I won't, uh, I won't tell you it's a bad question. I'll just answer it. So with that said, week that was, a couple situations that came across my desk. Uh, I spoke uh, early in the week with a gentleman who had uh, worked uh, rotating shifts. One week he'd be days, one week uh, he'd be uh, evenings and nights, etc. And he'd been doing that for years. And pretty much everyone at this company was doing the same at this mm -hmm. uh, particular manufacturing facilities. Uh, you'd have your schedule in advance. You'd know if you'd be working week uh, or days or, or nights. And he was fine with that, except recently he was diagnosed with a medical condition and he was taking medication. And, and because of that, his doctor said that you should not be working nights. You need to have a consistent time when you go to, go to bed and it, it can't vary. That's going uh, to make it very difficult for your system to get better. So he provided his employer with a doctor's note saying uh, that he needs to be working days only for the foreseeable future. Not necessarily forever, but, but for some a while. 
accommodation. Yes, yeah. he needs that accommodation. Well, the company took a quick look at that note and said, well, can't do that. Everyone is in the same boat. Everyone works these rotating shifts. You've been doing this for six years. Uh, sorry, we, we, we can't make an exception because then everyone's going to want it. Right. Uh, and obviously, he was very upset. He was actually very concerned that this is going to impact his health. And he called me and asked, can they do this and what can he do? Yeah. So the short answer is, John, they can't do this. They have to accommodate him. This is a reasonable request for accommodation. It's a very common request when you're unable to work uh, and you need some, some changes to your job so you can work. In this case, the change being put him on days only instead of both days and nights. An employer has a duty to accommodate. It's a very strict duty. They can't decide not to accommodate. They can't decide it's too hard. And it doesn't matter that they're going to have other people lining up as well. Their legal obligations are their legal obligations. And their refusal to accommodate is actually a breach of the human rights code. It's illegal. They can't do that. So he could potentially get human rights damages, but he can also treat this refusal to accommodate as a constructive dismissal. He could treat that as a termination and leave with severance. And that's what he's going to be thinking about now, whether he wants to do that. And if he does, I'll help him get the compensation that he's owed. But the bottom line here is your employer has to accommodate your medical restrictions. That could be changes uh, of shift, just like this one. It could be modified duties, modified hours, working from home, finding someone to help you, giving you light duties, what have you. There's a lot of things that an employer has to do to accommodate. It starts with that doctor's note. Uh, and if your employer refuses call me. Let's talk about that because, John, that would be illegal. one 821 the number to reach out, help at employmenthour.com as well. What else is going on? Uh, it's an interesting situation. I spoke with a gentleman uh, who actually initially called us on air on uh, one of our Wednesday night shows, and I met with him recently at the office. Uh, what happened with him, he had gone off some years ago on a, on a disability leave. He'd been off for a few years. Well, just over two years ago, he got uh, clearance to come back to work, and he provided his employer with the doctor's note right. saying he's he can come back to work, no restriction to his old job. Company, I wrote him back right away uh, within a few days saying, well, your old job doesn't exist anymore, but we're going to look really, really hard to find another job for you. Well, that was two years and three months ago or so. Wow. And guess what? They, he hasn't heard from them again. Not, not a peep, nothing. So he contacted me and he wanted to know, can he do something about it? Well, the answer is sure, he can. When they didn't take him back, when they said, we're going to look for another job for you, and they, they never did, they never got back to him, that's a termination. And you know, you would think that they would have a few months to do that. We can give them a few months to find a job. So over the last two years, they could have contacted him, ca uh, called him back to work. They didn't. That's a termination, though they owe him severance. This is a 40-year employee. Oh, my gosh. 40? 40 years. So he's easily going to be owed two-year severance. And al that's also a human rights issue if they're not taking him back because of his uh, medical condition. So, again, just a reminder that even if you're off on a medical leave for a long period of time, if your employer doesn't take you back, number one, it could be a human rights issue. But it could definitely, it definitely is a termination entitling you to severance. So your employer has to take you back. If they don't, you, you reach out to me. Now, because it was the employer that uh, you know had the window open for two years with nothing, that two-year window does not apply. He's not out of time. Right? He's not out of time in this right. particular case. We have just enough time to still pursue it. So we're going to wow. pursue it. Uh, and think about it, after 40 years, they, he got nothing. Uh, his employer probably has forgotten about him over the last two years, but I'm going to remind him. <laughs> one 821 5900 is the number. Help at employmenthour.com. We'll get into a short break and get into the business of independent contractors. That is on the way on the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.
1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't tried it, check it out, severancepaycalculator.com as well. Discussing the uh, the do's and don'ts, the ins and outs of being an independent contractor. Uh, you mentioned this just as we got into break, so you have your own company. You got business cards, you got logos, all that stuff. Does it make a difference? Yeah, it really doesn't. Uh-huh. Uh, again, very simple to do, right? Very simple. You always have to ask yourself, if it's that simple, why isn't everyone doing it, right? You, especially if, companies. Especially companies. Why ever hire an employee? Just say, you know, I know you're going to be working at my factory. You just incorporate, though. Don't worry about it. And you'll be an independent contract. You'll save money on taxes. I'll save, I money, save money on, on everything tax. else, yeah. Great. It does not work that way. Uh, you know, our our, uh, our tax laws are a bit more sophisticated than that. Our government is a bit more sophisticated than that. If anyone can avoid taxes by doing that, then uh, <laughs> the government would be getting a lot less money in taxes. It doesn't work that way. So none, whether you pay your taxes yourself or, or not, whether you have a company uh, uh, that that you use or not, whether you sign a contract that says you're a contractor or not, none of that matters. Again, it's about where you work, how you work, if you work exclusively, if you take instructions, are you full-time, are you regular? All those factors go into assessing whether someone is an independent contractor. So if you take the people that listen to this radio show that maybe contact you afterwards or somebody who just simply you know walks up to the firm and knocks on the front door, how often do you see someone mischaracterized as an independent, or at least thinking they're an independent contractor and been told so? Well, you know, if you're calling me not sure if you're an independent <laughs> you're contractor or an employee, you're not. Yeah. You absolutely are not. Oh, boy. People that are actually independent contractors are not calling yeah. me to wonder because they know, because they, they are in business for themselves. Plumber, they have a bunch right? of yeah, yeah. customers. Yeah, plumber. Yeah. No. If uh, if I I've been using Bob my plumber for the last two years and this time I've this instead of using Bob I use Joe Bob is not calling saying wait a second was I an employee of Leor yeah, why'd knows. you fire me yeah, yeah. why'd you fire me Leor yeah. uh, so no because the plumber is in business for himself he has customers uh, he goes and he does the job and he goes home and if he's too busy to do the job he's gonna say sorry I can't help you and he's gonna tell you how much he's gonna charge you and if you right. you want to pay him you'll say fine come in and do the job if you don't want to pay it you'll say sorry don't do the job. That's what an independent contractor looks like. Oftentimes when people call me, it's because on paper, they're an independent contractor, but in reality, they're employees. Usually the problems happen when the person is let go. So the person is let go, the company they work for says, oh, you're an independent contractor. We don't have to pay you any severance, so goodbye. Uh, Except, wait a second, if they're really an employee, then they should be getting severance because, again, they're an employee. And the laws come in and say, no, no, this person, even though you've misclassified them, is an employee and you have to pay them full severance based on the usual factors. I get those calls all the time. I speak with several people every single day in that situation. It's a very common situation. And as I said, there's people right now, probably dozens of them, listening to us where they're, they've been working as an independent contractor and they're probably now thinking, hmm, I think I'm an employee. Yeah, You are. Can they ever get severance? Absolutely. And, and you can decide, by the way, to pursue matters uh, and, and to try to correct the misclassification okay, yeah. now. So you may file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor saying, I- I've been treated as an independent contractor, but I'm really an employee, so my company owes me vacation pay, they owe me overtime, etc." The problem with that, a lot of people don't want to do that because they still work for the company and they think, well, how, how's that relationship going to survive if I go and file a complaint against my employer. Mm. You absolutely can do that if you want to. In most cases, where we pursue those matters is on termination. So yes, you can get severance because you should have been an employee all along. Uh, You can also go to severancepaycalculator.com and you get the exact same severance as a regular employee because you are a regular employee. 
Is there not another category, a third category, right? There is a third category. Yeah. So we talked about employees. We talked about independent contractors. There's a third category, what we call a dependent contractor. So a dependent contractor is someone that is not an employee because they are in business for themselves, but they have one company they work for that they spend the majority of right. their time on that, on that company. They're financially dependent on that company. Now, this is important to understand because if you're financially dependent, maybe you have three companies you work for, but one of them is the big one. You get 80% you, of your- 80%, your, let's say, of yeah. your income from that company. What that means is if that company decides to end the relationship with you, they still have to pay you severance, no even kidding. though you're not an employee. You're an independent, you're, you're a contractor, but you're financially dependent. The law says, well, because it's going to impact you so much to lose that big company that you work for, we're going to make them pay you severance. So you essentially, even as a dependent contractor, get the same severance as an employee. So to summarize, uh, employee gets severance, dependent contractor gets severance. The only one that does not get severance is the person that's truly and properly characterized as an independent contractor. Does that dependent contractor get the full nut or is it just ESA minimums or? No, they get the, the full full nut as you yeah. so aptly put it. Uh, yes, uh, essentially the same amount. There could no be kidding. a slight, slight, slight discount, but it essentially is the same as the, uh, the the regular employee age, position, length of employment being the uh, the regular factors, the big factors. Uh, and I've, I've I've represented a number of dependent contractors over the years and got them their severance. It's not complicated. Wow. If you have a company that you do the majority of your work, you're financially dependent on that company. If that company decides to end the relationship, they'll have to pay. So if our listeners are thinking, you know what? After hearing all this, I think I really am an employee. I'm not an independent contractor. What should they do and should they do it quickly? Well, here's the thing, John. There's two options. Number one, they can decide, do they want to try to fix the scenario moving forward? Do they want to, moving forward, to to correct the misclassification, right. to be employees? If so, probably the best way to do it is to go through the Ministry of Labor. You file a complaint. Ministry of Labor comes, investigates, and says, no, no, you really are an employee, so you're going to have to be treated as an employee. You may be owed some wages, overtime, vacation pay, like I said, and that's what happens moving forward. So you can do that if you're comfortable with that. Uh, the, the other time, if you don't want to do that, if you say, no, no, I don't want to rock the boat, I gotcha. want to still work with this company, how, how do I face them if I do this? Then you don't necessarily need to do anything. You understand that there's a risk that uh, CRA may audit you, but beyond that, the other time to deal with it is if the relationship comes to an end, if you're let go, then you have to. Then you have to call me. Ministry of Labor cannot help you at that point. We've said this a million times. Ministry of Labor cannot help you with termination. If the company lets you go, you call me, and then we simply get you your severance. So either deal with it now while you're still working there or deal with it when the position comes to an end. The topic of forced resignations is coming up first to break, though. You'll want to reach out that number, one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. Let's talk about uh, forced resignation situations where an employee is given no choice but to resign. Kind of sounds like an oxymoron. That's right. Like jumbo shrimp, postal ex- worker, that type of thing. <laughs> well, it is an oxymoron, and, and you know, resignation should be a very simple topic. You know, most people, if you ask them to tell to tell you what a resignation is, they'll say, "Well, a resignation is if I tell my company I'm quitting, yeah. I'm I'm not working there anymore." And yeah, that is a resignation. 
But we need to talk about more than that because in situation, in some situations where the resignation is actually not voluntary, okay. when the resignation is not something you're doing yourself, then the law says, no, no, if it's not voluntary, then it's a termination. So we really want to distinguish now between a resignation that's true and honest and, and, uh, and proper and one that's not, one when it's masked as a resignation, but it's really a termination. So when you hear, you know, I'll expect your resignation this afternoon by three, that ain't a resignation. It's not a resignation. Right. A okay. resignation is something that you do voluntarily. A resignation is something that you do unilaterally, that you decide. If you make the decision, I don't want to work here. No one's making me, no one's telling me I have to. I just don't want to work here. And as you resol- resign as a result, that's a resignation, not a problem. You're allowed to do that, you resign, and you move on. But if someone tells you, I expect your resignation, right. you better hand in your resignation at five, uh, uh, I'll see your resignation letter in the morning, or resign or else, that is not voluntary at that point. Someone made the decision that you're not going to work there anymore. Therefore, that is a termination. You're not leaving because you woke up one day, said you don't want to work there. Someone told you, you're not working here anymore, so may as well give me a letter of resignation. So if that's what happens, that's a termination and you're owed severance. So this is important to remember that even if you resign, if that resignation is not voluntary, if that resignation is not something that you're doing out of your own free will, then it's a termination and you get your full severance just as if the company had handed you a termination letter. I think a lot of the common belief though is, you know, you ask a lot of people say, oh, you know what, I'd, I'd rather resign than be fired. You know, it looks better. I, I'd prefer it this way. What's the, well, is that a haphazard way of thinking? It, it, it's just a, an incorrect way of thinking. So most people have heard of this document called the Record of Employment. It's a document that you get when you're no longer working for the company, whether you leave or, or are let go. And this, this idea, this term, Record of Employment, suggests that there's a record being kept somewhere. Yeah, forever. Of, forever. Yeah. Of your job, of your history, of why you left. Yeah. And well, wait a second, if there's a record out there, I want the record to say the right things. I want to make sure that clean. it's clean. <laughs> Except guess what, John? There isn't a record. There's no record anywhere. There's no vault. There's no storage room. Uh, there's no computer database that says what happened to the employee, why they left, if they were let go. The name of the document is a record of employment. The only relevance of that document is to qualify for employment insurance. So mm. it does not matter. If you're not resigning voluntarily, then don't resign. It's not better to resign than to be let go. Now, if you did something horrible, you stole from the company and they're letting you resign, yeah, sure, I guess yeah, resign because yeah. you're not going to get anything anyway. But if the company is not happy with you, maybe you've made a mistake, don't resign. Don't make it easy on the company. If they want to let you go, have them let you go, have them pay you your full severance. But no, there isn't a benefit to resigning over being let go. There's no record of employment. There is no vault. There's no history. There's no database. So because of that, do what you need to do, what you want to do. Don't do what someone is forcing you to do. So if your boss, or I guess in this case, soon to be ex-boss, tells you, uh, you know, you got to resign or I'll expect your resignation this afternoon, what do you do? What are the first steps? Well, I, you say thanks, but no thanks. I am not resigning. I, I, I want to continue working. Uh, if you want to let me go, that's your prerogative but I'm not going to do it. Uh, And if, in fact, you do resign, though, despite what I just said, you still resign, then I want you to immediately follow up with an email saying, just so you know, my resignation is only because you told me I had to. It's only because you told me I'm not going to work for you anyway. Make it clear, because then we can still pursue your severance. It's important because it's not just about this 
non-existent record of employment. That, that doesn't mean anything. It's about compensation. It's about severance. I've probably represented dozens, if not hundreds of people that quote unquote resigned, but they resigned because they were boxed in. They were not given mm -hmm. a choice. And, and that means that in the eyes of the law, that was a termination. They're owed their full severance. You know, it's funny. That, that brings up the question, though, when, it, when severance comes to light and now there's money involved, it might be a case of, oh, he said, she said. How do you prove that you didn't resign and you were told to? Very, very uh, important. Very great uh, question, actually. Uh, you know, when, when a regular termination, you never have to prove anything because right. you have a letter in front of you yeah. saying, you were canned. You're done. Yeah, you're, you're, done. you're gone. Uh, today's your last day. Well, in situations where there's no record like, like that, the company says you resign, you're saying that you were let go, the best way to do it, as soon as that incident happens, you get on your email, you get on your text message, whatever you want, uh, and, and you write to the company saying, here's what happened. I did not resign. I don't want to resign. In fact, I'm happy to come back to work tomorrow. Okay, You told me I'm not, not working here anymore, or you told me I have no choice. So put that in writing. Create that record. If you don't have a termination letter, create something. Text works fine. Email works better. That confirms what actually happened. If you do that, that has credibility. And later on, we can still pursue this as a termination. Bottom line is I don't want anyone resigning if, unless they're doing it voluntarily. I don't want anyone resigning because they feel they have no choice. If you are in that situation, you're being threatened, you're being told what to do, call me. Let's talk about that. And of course, if despite everything we've just talked about over the last 10 minutes, if you end up resigning anyway, let's talk. And, and send them in that email to the company. Tell them, I didn't do it voluntarily. I didn't resign because I don't want to work there. Put that in writing. And if you do that, you're still preserving your rights. What happens if you blow your stack and you resign in the heat of the moment? We'll cover that after we uh, take a short break. one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com as well. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. Talking about the... Uh, the old resignation, when it is one, when it isn't one. So um, if an employee resigns heat of the moment, they lose it, they snap, and they, uh, they walk out the door, what do they got to do? So if you think about it, if you resign in the heat of the moment, not because you've sat down and thought about it, a heat of, of the moment is also not something that you're really doing voluntarily. You kind of, you know, your emotions got the better of right. you. It wasn't something calculated that you decided to do. And the law understands that. The law recognizes that. Therefore... A heat of the moment resignation is not a real resignation as long as you take it back quickly. So you can't say, uh, okay, you know, a year ago when I resigned, that was heat of the moment. It doesn't work that way. Heat of the moment, if you, you had a, a blow up, that's it, I'm out of here, and you walk out of there slamming the door behind you, well, then I want you probably within 48 hours, hopefully, to contact the company in writing, email works great, saying, Heat of the moment, my bad, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that, want to come Just back kidding. to work as yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason you want to do that is because if the company does not let you take back the heat of the moment resignation, if they say, no, no, you said resign, I heard you say it, right. then that becomes a termination. Even though you resigned, even though the company wow. didn't want to let you go, if they don't let you take it back, that becomes a termination and you're owed severance. But you have to Time take it back. Time is of the essence back. here, right? Huge. Yeah. Even a week, I would say, is too late. Probably the most I would ever wait mm -hmm. is the week. A day, two days, three days, probably best. Email, heat of the moment. Use those words. Say heat of the moment. Uh, and you can take back a resignation. If the company won't let it, let it happen, 
you get your severance. So what if, uh, you know, something's been happening at the workplace, something bad, um, and it's it's been difficult for you to continue working there. You go, you know, I got no choice, man. I got to resign. I can't take this job anymore. Yeah. Maybe there's a, a new boss that's not treating you properly. Maybe you're being harassed. Uh, right. Maybe there's a poison work environment. You, you hate going to work. I, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to, I'm just leaving. Now, in this situation, you're still doing it. You're doing it voluntarily. But because you're put in a situation to have to do that, you're not doing it because you really want to. That's a constructive dismissal. Constructive dismissal in this context happens when you resign because of something that's happened at work, being mistreated, poison work environment, uh, change to the terms of your employment, You maybe your pay was cut, whatever it is, a change, a big deal, something that makes it difficult to continue working. And if you resign as a result, then you still get severance. Two things here, though. Number one is you have to be able to show what actually is happening at work. Documented. If your Again. pay is reduced, that's easy. It's easy to show. Right. But if you're being, if you're resigning, or if you're saying constructive dismissal because of harassment, then you need to put that in writing. You need to create some record. You need to have some way to prove that. So that's number one. Number two, if you're going to resign in that situation, say so ideally in your resignation letter. So you know, in light of it, what's been happening, right. I feel like I have no choice but to resign. You don't want to make it sound like you're resigning because you want to go work across the street or because you want to spend more time on the golf course. You want to say, I'm resigning because of, the, because of what's been happening, because of this situation, because of the pay reduction or because of the harassment, what have you. Say that in writing. Give that credibility. And then you call me and then we'll get you the compensation that you're owed. Do you get full your full compensation or is there a, a clawback because it's kind of a quasi-resignation force? No, full so thing. The yeah. nice thing about severance, it's pretty much always... Uh, an all or nothing proposition. Right. So if you qualify for severance, you qualify for full severance. If you don't qualify, cool. then you don't qualify. So if even if it's uh, a resignation that's really a termination, if it's really a termination, you're going to get your full severance, your age, your position, the length of your employment, other factors, your employment agreement would have to be considered as well. Uh, but no, you don't get a discount in that situation. You ever come across situations where it was actually better to resign than to keep working? Yeah, all the time. I mean, if, if someone is being mistreated uh, at work, then aren't they better off resigning? I've spoken with people that because they've tried to be the good soldiers, yeah. they continued in a tough environment. Eventually, their, their health took They break effect. down. They broke down. Yeah. They had to go off for workplace stress, for depression, for insomnia, and some had to be off for, for months and months and months. That's not worth it. Nothing is worth that. So if you're identifying the situation as uh, an, an unhealthy one, if you're identifying your work environment as one that's causing you damage, you're better off resigning. In another situation, if your pay is being changed, if the terms of your employment are being changed, you're better off not accepting them. Because if you accept them, you give their company the right to do it again. So I always say, if the company starts messing with the terms of your employment, you're better off resigning. You're better off treating that as a constructive dismissal and getting your severance. If you don't, you've gonna, you're going to open the door for many more changes to come, and then you're going to be stuck. So don't let that happen. Is that type of situation also as time-sensitive as the heat-of-the-moment resignation? Oh, sure. It, it is. is. A, yeah. If you're dealing with a, a difficult situation, a change to the terms of employment, you have a small window to, to actually leave. It's not necessarily days. You have a few weeks to, to kind of try it out. But you can't say, well, you know, when you reduced my pay six months ago, that was a constructive dismissal. Right. It doesn't work that way. You have a very short window, a few weeks probably, if something happens to resign as a result, for that to still be a constructive dismissal. And if before you resign, though, before you say, that's it, I'm gone because of the change, because of a constructive dismissal, I don't want anyone resigning because of a constructive dismissal before they've spoken to me first.
1-855-821-5900 is that number. Please reach out. Please keep that number with you. You never know when you're going to need it. It will be handy to have. SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. And uh, we'll wrap the show up in the last few minutes here with some emails. That is help at employmenthour.com as well. It's the Employment Hour on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900. That will put you in touch with Lior and the members of his team. You want to check out an email or send an email along as we get to the last few minutes for this week. That is help at employmenthour.com as well. Bill, first one up, Bill says, I've been called into a meeting this coming Friday with my boss. I believe they're going to let me go. My spidey sense is going off. Can I, uh, can I do something about it? Uh, this is kind of the what I call the the preemptive email that I get, or I get yeah. preemptive calls. I think I'm going to be let go, uh, and, and what do I do? So you know, let, let's be very clear. Unfortunately, if the decision's been made to let you go, you're not going to be able to stop it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing I can do to stop that. There's nothing uh, you can do to stop that. So the only thing that can be done is to go ahead and, and as uncomfortable as it is, and it's always going to be uncomfortable. And then connect with me after to make sure that, that the company treated you properly, that you got what you're owed, because chances are you're going to be owed more than yeah. what the company's offering. So can't avoid a termination. And by the way, it's not a good strategy to say, well, I know that I'm going to be let go on Friday, so I know what I'm going to do on Thursday. I'm going to go to med- on medical leave. Yeah. Bad idea. That doesn't work. It doesn't. It's not going to change you're anything. Just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It's That's not it. Change, yeah. At that point, decision's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Titanic's going to go down one way or the other. <laughs> That's right. No, no point. Uh-huh. So, no, you can't do anything preemptively if the company's going to let you go. But what you absolutely can do, be prepared. Go to severancepaycalculator.com mm-hmm. to know how much you're owed. Get copies in your hand of your employment agreement. Get copies in your hand of, uh, you know, make sure you have your T4s. If there's any performance review documents, have those. We may need to look at them after the company lets you go. But unfortunately, you cannot undo the decision if they've, they're inclined to let you go. The email is help at employmenthour.com. Christine is up next. This is a good one. It says, my employer has relocated our office. Get this, two-hour drive away. I was told that I can get to a ride with a colleague so I wouldn't have to drive in, but I don't want to do that. Do I have to accept this move? That's that's a big knock in the old family. Yeah, right? holy cow. Can you imagine? It's four couple- hours round trip. That's it. I mean, who, who would do that? Uh, it's it's pretty pretty far. So no, that's clearly a constructive dismissal. That's clearly a situation where if the company changes the terms, uh, and that listen, if you before that you were commuting an hour and fifty minutes, and now right. it's two hours, it's not a big deal. No. But if it does in fact uh, result in a big change to your commute, of course you don't have to do that. Your option is to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Even if the company is giving you the option to uh, to ride along with someone else, you can still treat that as a constructive dismissal. That's a very common kind of classic constructive dismissal situation. So it's not every change to location, of course, that results mm-hmm. in a constructive dismissal. The question is, how does it how does it impact you? If it doesn't really impact you, you're still going to be commuting about the same. It doesn't impact you too much. It's not a constructive dismissal. If it's going to be a substantial change, if you know if it's adding more than say an hour each day uh, or two hours each day to your commute, clearly that's a big deal. Clearly that's something you don't have to accept. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal. Uh, and if that happens to you, again, same rule applies as before. Before you quit, I want you to talk to me. I mean, this one with Christina seems like a no-brainer. It's like four hours round trip at the end of the day, so you, you wouldn't want that. But maybe she's like, yeah, you know what? It'll give me a little time to think while I'm on the road. I mean, can't she try it out for a reasonable amount of time or no? It's all yeah, or nothing. Yeah, she may want to say, you know, it sounds bad, but once I do it, maybe it doesn't it doesn't become that bad. So maybe I can do this. I don't know. So yeah, she can take it for a spin. She can try it out. What I would do is I would tell her employer that that's what she's she's doing. She should tell her employer in writing, again, always in writing, email works, 
you know, I'm concerned about this. I don't know if I could do this commute two hours each way every single day, but I'm willing to try it. So I'm going to try it for the next few weeks, and then I'll tell you what I think. By doing that, you, you've given yourself this probationary period, sure. for, for lack of a, of a better term, where you can try it out, see how it impacts you, and if it after a few weeks you realize, yeah, it's as bad as I thought it was, you can still quit and you can still get your severance. Rebecca's up next. Help at employmenthour.com says, I do all bookkeeping and invoicing for my employer. Uh, the company's not doing well and my boss has told me to change invoices so that we can bill clients for work that was never actually done. Can you believe this? Uh, I think his last name is Soprano. Uh, I'm very uncomfortable with this. What can I do? Well, you you should be uncomfortable, and you should tell Tony there that you're not going to do it. <laughs> no, you, nice. you're, you're just not going to do That's it. That's right. Guess what? If if you do this, uh, you know whose butt's going to be on the line. Yep. Yours. You know what rolls uh, downhill. Absolutely, yep. and and. Your, your company will probably then, even though you've been told to do it, they'll probably point fingers at you. No, she's the guilty party, right. Your Honor. Uh, she did it. So yeah. bad idea. Don't do it no matter what. Don't break the law. Nothing is worth it. But it's more interesting than that, John. Just by telling her to do that, just by putting her in a situation where they're asking her to break the law, to in this case, to actually do something that's criminal, it's fraud. Yeah. That's illegal. That that's itself could be a constructive dismissal. If your employer is asking you, demanding that you commit fraud, that you do something illegal, they can't do that. They shouldn't do that. You can treat that as a termination of your employment. I don't want to work for a company that says I should be committing fraud. So by doing that, you can say, you know what? By, do, by putting this on my plate, by asking me to do this, I can't continue working here anymore. And you can leave with your severance. But bottom line is, don't do that. Don't commit fraud. Bad idea. Sean, we'll wrap it up with Sean's email. Sean says, I was hit by a co-worker at work. He wasn't charged with a criminal offense. In fact, he still works there, but I'm really uncomfortable. What are my options? Well, first of all, if he's uh, if he's still working in close proximity to this person, talk to HR, talk to the, the owners of the company, tell them you're uncomfortable. They, they have to protect you from even potential violence. If you've already been a, a victim of violence by this person, then potentially there's a risk of that happening again. The company has to take measures to protect you. Uh, and, and if they don't, that could be a, a human rights violation. That could be a violation of the Occupational Health and Safety Act. It could be a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It's illegal. Talk to the company. Make sure they know why you're uncomfortable. If they say, too bad, so sad, we're not going to do anything about that, call me. Let's talk about that. We may be able to either try to force the company or get you out of there. Bottom line is you have a, you have rights and you should talk to the company. A lot of good stuff today on the show. You'll want to follow up anytime. Do so. It's uh, always advisable. one 821 or help at employmenthour.com. Those are the emails we uh, we read from today. You can get yours in there as well. And always, always, always severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what your severance should be before you pull the plug, sign anything. Do not go there first and then follow up with Lior and his team as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.